Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Friday, October 30th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. The United States experiencing its worst day so far when it comes to the coronavirus pandemic. 90,000 new cases being reported in the last 24 hours, while experts now revealing a much higher number of projected deaths over the next several months. President Trump and Democratic rival Joe Biden making one last swing state push with just four days left before Election Day. 73 million people here in the U.S. already making their choice for the White House. And a major ballot controversy erupting in Minnesota after a federal appeals court rules that the state cannot count ballots that arrive after Election Day. This and much more today on U News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. Welcome to You News for this Friday, October 30th. I'm Andrea Linares. We begin with the latest on the worsening pandemic right here in the U.S. On Thursday, the country breaking another daily record of COVID-19 cases. More than a dozen states seeing record hospitalizations, while one Texas county now under orders to lock down. Lorraine Caceres has the latest. The U.S. on Thursday reporting the highest number of coronavirus cases in one day since the pandemic began, surpassing the previous record high of last Friday. We know we're now going to be pushing cases well north of 100,000 cases a day very soon. 971 people died Thursday, and the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington School of Medicine says it is most likely that by the middle of January, 2,250 Americans will be dying every day, making the total number of deaths soar to almost 400,000 by February. Across the country, hospitalizations rising and at least 13 states seeing a record number of patients. When you have a massive surge of critically ill patients, it will very quickly overwhelm the system and require us to make those really difficult decisions about who gets an intensive care unit bed, who gets a ventilator, and who unfortunately will have to die. The situation is so dire in El Paso that a judge ordered a two-week shutdown of non-essential businesses in the county, taking effect overnight. When you've got the flu season coming at you, uh, you've got you know festivities coming up like Halloween and Thanksgiving. Uh, this is a perfect storm. The Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton ready to challenge the shutdown, tweeting the judge has no authority to shut down businesses, adding my office is quickly exploring all legal actions. Meanwhile, in Wisconsin, the positivity rate stands at almost 37 percent. Hospitals facing critical staffing shortages. In Utah, the governor warning hospitals are getting too full to function. The hospitals, frankly, just can't keep up with the trend that we have going now. In Ohio on Thursday, cases surpassed 3,000 in one day for the first time. Virus is raging throughout the state of Ohio. And in the past month, 30 states, at least 30 states, have broken record in cases. Meanwhile, on the vaccine front, Dr. Anthony Fauci is saying that Moderna and Pfizer, which are both in phase three clinical trials, will soon be ready to uh, send out information on critical safety and efficacy information, and that we could soon see approvals if um, all goes well. That's all the information we have right now. Andrea, back to you. Thank you, Lorraine, for that report. 
And a new study has found that grocery store workers are at serious risk for getting sick from COVID-19. The analysis published in the journal Occupational and Environmental Medicines looked at 104 employees at a Boston store back in the month of May. 20% had positive nasal swab tests and of those, Three out of four were asymptomatic. Researchers say they were surprised by these results. It means these workers were a significant transmission source without even knowing it. The exposure occurred even with precautions being taken. 91% say they wore a face mask at work, but only 66% said they were able to social distance consistently on the job. And the FDA says it's cracked down on more than 1,000 fraudulent or unproven COVID-19 products. FDA Commissioner Stephen Hahn revealed the results of Operation Quack Hack. He says the agency has sent 120 warning letters, 270 reports to virtual marketplaces, and targeted products include bogus drugs, tests, and also PPE. More than 73 million Americans have already voted absentee or by mail, and President Trump and former VP Joe Biden are trying to energize the millions more who will vote next Tuesday, with rallies in battleground states and very different messaging coming from both campaigns. The candidates with dueling Florida rallies Thursday, the Sunshine State is a must-win for the president. If Florida goes blue, it's over. We are going to win Florida. We are going to win four more years in the White House. In Florida, more than 7 million people have already voted. The Democrats' big early turnout lead has narrowed to just over 200,000. Trump has held five rallies there this month, more than any other state. And with coronavirus cases rising in much of the country, the closing days of the 2020 race are being defined by the pandemic and two very different closing messages from the candidates. Thank you for wearing your mask. And thank you for the social distancing. Another major issue for voters, the economy. Under my leadership, the Florida tourism industry and hospitality industry will come roaring back very soon. It's ready to happen. We're making the turn. The president touting a new report showing the economy grew by a record 33.1% annual pace in the third quarter. But economists say it's not enough to make up for the massive losses during the first half of the year. Joe Biden with a different view than that of the president's. Those at the top are seeing things go up. And those in the middle and below are seeing things go down. The candidate's spouses also hitting the road. Joe Biden in Michigan Thursday. And for the first time this year, First Lady Melania Trump joined her husband on the trail. Hello, Florida. It is wonderful to be here in our home state. Meanwhile, today, the Trump and Biden campaigns both hitting the trail in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Trump will also visit Michigan and Biden, Iowa. Campaigning heats up over the weekend. Yet again, Trump is holding three rallies on Saturday in Pennsylvania before heading back to Florida. Meanwhile, Joe Biden will hold a joint Saturday rally with former President Barack Obama in Michigan. Meanwhile, in a stunning overnight reversal, a federal appeals court ruled Minnesota cannot extend the deadline for accepting mail-in ballots. This is the second time in a week a federal court strikes down efforts to extend ballot counting due to the coronavirus pandemic. Edwin Pitti has the 
the details from Washington, D.C. Edwin. Hi, Andrea, that's right. State officials in Minnesota state that both Trump and Biden are visiting today had planned to count until a week after the election ballots that were delayed in the mail due to the pandemic. However, the court said that according to a state law, ballots delivered by mail to local officials after election day should be marked late. The court is suggesting voters to consider other options for casting their ballots, like dropping them off at assigned locations or voting in person. This decision is seen as a victory to the Trump campaign and Republicans who challenged a ruling, allowing the state to count ballots for a week as long as they were postmarked by election day. Meanwhile, Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon called the ruling unnecessarily disruptive. There will be more time later for expressions of disappointment. For now, our focus has to be very clear, and that is on the voters of Minnesota. We have to make sure that every legally cast ballot is The reaction counted. since Minnesota's Democratic senator and former Democratic nominee presidential hopeful Amy Klobuchar, who said to be angry, not just because of the ruling, but because of how close it is to election. Yet, she added that the best way to respond is by voting. Now, the court still has to decide if the votes that come via mail after election day are legal. Live in Washington, D.C., Andrea, back to you. Thank you, Edwin, for all those details. And now we turn to some more political news. As we've been reporting already, it's a tight race between President Trump and Joe Biden among Latino voters in the key states of Texas and Florida. According to a new Univision Noticias poll, the president is leading in Texas by just three points, a difference that's within the poll's margin of error. Joining us now to break down this poll and all the results is Sergio Garcia Rios. He's the director of polling and data at Univision Noticias. Thanks so much for joining us today, Sergio. So let's get right to it. What's the significance of the president and Joe Biden being essentially tied in Florida and Texas? Yeah, there's, well, there's two sides of this story, right? On the one hand, we see something that could be historic. You know, uh, we see a, a small margin, uh, a small lead that's within the margin of her that very well could mean that uh, Biden could take this state. And that will be historic. I mean, it hasn't happened since 1976. Uh, the, there's a 49-46 uh, advantage to Trump, but that's really not uh, that different within the margin of her. It's really they're tied. And we see the same or similar story in Florida, where Biden seems to have a small lead of only three points. That's also within the margin of error. So again, they're tied. And it's no surprise that we see them now campaigning so heavily in, this, in these two states. They probably know the same stuff that we know here. And they know it's important to win the state of Florida. Also, we have seen President Trump campaigning there quite a bit. Now let's talk about the results in Pennsylvania and also Arizona. Joe Biden is leading Trump 50 to 45 percent, as we can see on the screen. Trump won Pennsylvania by a small margin, and Arizona is traditionally a Republican stronghold. How are changing demographics impacting this race in those states? That's precisely the answer. Uh, not only not only in Pennsylvania and Arizona, where we have seen a growth of minorities and Latinos, actually, but we see the same patterns in Texas and uh, Florida, where we have seen, you know, all the Republicans arriving in Florida and then Mexicans moving from California and then a lot of uh, young Mexican-Americans in Texas uh, coming to age and being now able to vote. If Biden wins these states, 
is going to be because of the Latino vote. And I would add, it's going to be because of the young Latino vote. He's been able to mobilize some of these vote, and I think they're mobilized by events that have happened over the summer and coronavirus and all these other events that have hit our community uh, in such a disproportionate way. So it is not surprising that he he's now leading within uh, minorities and Latinos. And if he wins, you know, it's going to be precisely because of these uh, young voters, young Latino voters. And we say it time and time again, young people and also Latinos are extremely important of voting blocks. Now, at a national level, the poll found Latinos are also favoring Biden over Trump's 67 percent to 26 percent. How is Biden doing among Latinos compared to Hillary Clinton back in the year 2016? Yeah, uh, initially, uh, one of the patterns that we saw is that he's probably holding the similar margin. What we did see uh, in 2016 is that Clinton started to lose some margins there. She started to lose momentum, and Trump, on the other hand, was gaining momentum. What we see this time is that Biden has been able to consistently keep these margins, that he's been gaining some momentum in certain states, except in Florida, but he has maintained those margins. And we don't see any momentum uh, on the Trump side. So I think there's uh, some reasons to be uh, optimistic on the Biden camp and certainly uh, reasons on the Trump side to be worried and on the offensive. Let's talk once again about the young Latino voters out there. What do you think is really driving up the number of early voters of these young people? What's driving them to go out there and vote this year? Very important. We, we see in the poll that actually young voters have already uh, over 50 percent at the time of the closing of the poll. They had already voted. So we see this mobilization and, and in uh, places like Texas, we see that very prominently. What's driving it? I think there's definitely, uh, there's been a race awakening over the summer. There's been a moment in which the young voters, uh, especially those in college age, um, have been motivated to create a change. We also, I mean, we have to recognize it that in a way, uh, the uh, pandemic and the coronavirus has uh, created less space to be distracted and more space for them to be focused on uh, political matters. Very interesting. We will wait and see what happens on Tuesday night. Thanks so much for your time, Sergio Garcia Rios, Director of Polling at Univision Noticias. Take care and great work. Thank you. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The effects of COVID-19 will be felt for decades to come. Both parties are very far apart. Approximately 250,000 people have lost their lives. You news covers the news of your world. It makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. You news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. In California, a proposition on the ballot could help those in the Latino community, but not everyone is in support of this measure. Jorge Hernandez takes a closer look. First in the nation in terms 24 of years ago, Republican Governor Pete Wilson led the crusade to eliminate affirmative action programs in California. Programs that helped me advance my education. The president of the Los Angeles City Council is a supporter of Proposition 16, one of the 12 proposals on the California ballot, and the one that will have the most direct impact on the future of Latinos in this city.
This proposal is about creating equity in the community, creating opportunities so that our communities can move forward. Supporters of the proposal point out that affirmative action programs take into account economic, educational, and cultural disadvantages in order to give minority residents the opportunity to study and work. The university has to take into account those disadvantages and say, well, if they are at the same level, the Latino has the same intelligence and should be accepted to this university. The proposal also seeks to close the income gap for Latinas in California, where they proportionally receive 42 cents for every dollar received by a non-Latino white man. I went to school for six years because my mom told me that by going to school I could get more opportunity, but at this point I need more opportunity to get money for the projects. Those who oppose Proposition 16 point out that when one group is favored at the expense of another, it can be considered discriminatory. We work very hard and don't have the same opportunities. Reported by Jaime Garcia, this is Jorge Hernandez for U News. In Texas, the Department of Homeland Security is claiming victory, touting what it calls the completion of 400 miles of new border wall over the last four years. But as Pedro Rojas explains, the details of those claims are not entirely clear. We have seen more than our fair share of unwarranted... The U.S. Department of Homeland Security held a press conference Thursday in McAllen, Texas, to celebrate the construction of 400 miles of new border wall over the last four years. We asked Acting Secretary Chad Wolf how many miles were built in areas where there was not fencing. Every mile is a new mile of new border wall system. Because again, as we talked about, it's not only the steel that you see here, but it's the capabilities that it provides the Border Patrol. A document issued by the Department of Homeland Security and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers on September 25th stated that since 2017, 285 new miles were built where dilapidated or or outdated designs previously existed. CBP Commissioner Robert Peters says that the structure also protects the agents. The amount of illegal traffic flow has been reduced. The ability for our Border Patrol agents to control the illegal traffic and be in better positions to interdict that illegal traffic has significantly increased. However, attorneys that represent landowners in the area have a different view. The border wall is nothing else than a, than a political ploy. It's a campaign promise that was made in 2016 and is being made now. Uh, I would like to remind people that the promise was that Mexico was going to pay for it and Mexico has not paid a cent for it, so the, the promise has never been fulfilled. Active Homeland Security Secretary says that they have funding to build at least two more hundred miles of border wall and by the end of this year they estimate to build at least 50 more miles. The House Judiciary Committee issued a report that calls into questions the methods used between late 2017 and early 2018 to separate migrant families. It indicates that the health and human services personnel did not have enough beds to shelter children separated from their parents by CBP. We asked Wolf what is delaying the reunification of more than 500 separated children who remain in government custody. He said that following the court's order, the American Civil Liberties Union is in charge of the process and many parents that were deported don't want to reunite with their kids in their native countries. They have decided to separate themselves from their children, leaving their children here as they are back in their home country. 
And I think that's an important point. Wolf explains that some parents are only willing to reunite with their children if they are brought back to the United States, which he says is legally impossible because they were already deported. Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden announced that if elected, he will create a task force to work on the reunification of the 500-plus minors. In Hidalgo, Texas, Pedro Rojas, U News. And check this out. Saturday will be a little spookier than usual this year, and that's because the Halloween sky will be lit by a blue moon, the second full moon this month. This will also be the first blue moon in the U.S. since March of 2018. Despite its name, a blue moon is not necessarily blue. The phrase once in a blue moon usually means a rare occurrence that can either be lucky or unlucky. Either way, what a sight we have in store. And remember, if you have children and you plan to go out to trick or treat, just do so safely and always wear a mask and have that antibacterial gel handy. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.